Hello, I'm Stephanie Ruff. And I'm Aviva Nabeski. We're the hosts of the Dressage Today podcast, where you can find us talking about anything and everything dressage related. Our conversations span the world of dressage from leading riders to local level dressage heroes. We're talking training advice, showing tips, and sharing stories to inspire your own dressage journey. So tune in, then tack up. Welcome to the Dressage Today podcast, sponsored by Bowringer Ingelheim. This episode features an interview with up-and-coming dressage star Anna Buffini. But first, since we are at the end of the year, it's time to look forward to 2022. Personally, I am not one for making New Year's resolutions, but it's still always a good time to give some thought to goals for the new year. So Aviva, what do you have in mind for next year? Well, I'm not one who makes New Year's resolutions either, um, but I, I've been thinking a lot about this and what I'm looking forward to in 2022. And this isn't exactly a goal like I'm going to get in the, you know, I'm going to have a, a clinic with so-and-so or I'm going to teach Leo a flying change. But this is, this is more a goal of who I want to be. And I read an article recently about the pressures that we put on ourselves to be things. And I decided that my goal for 2022 is to take the pressure off and to look at my writing in a very different way than I have been for the past year or two or three or four. And to go back to looking at my writing as a place of joy and celebration and harmony with my horses. So instead of thinking about this is the year that I'm going to make my debut into the FEI ring and I'm going to earn my, my pre-St. George scores for my silver medal. Instead, I decided that I'm just going to enjoy the process and go where I'm going with Leo and embrace all of the successes that we have and forget about the failures and forget about the, the things that we still need to do, you know, that's in quotations need. <laughs> and the same with Tiger that, yeah, I did technically buy him to get my scores, but I'm really enjoying this process of watching this older horse blossom and having him blossom with me. And I know that he has really bad ulcers and I know that traveling for him is hard. And I imagine that competing for him is very stressful as well. And so, you know, he doesn't really care whether I earn my medal or not. He just really likes me. Um, and I think he likes being ridden. And so I'm just enjoying the process and I'm giving myself permission to just do what makes me happy. So that is, that is my goal for 2022. I think that is quite admirable. Thank you. <laughs> and, and, oh, I have to tell you. So when we did our podcast with Michelle Wellman and we talked about the Cavaletti. Oh, yes. And I confessed what a weenie I am yes. about things. So I want, I want our listeners to know. So 20 years ago, I took my very green mare over a single pole on the ground and she stopped dead and then launched over it. And I came off and I landed on the small of my back on the pole and I broke my back and I ended up having to have surgery. Yeah. And this is why I'm so scared of obstacles. That makes sense. Well, so Jen Hoffman, who is my wonderful longliner, came last month and she longlined Leo over three Cavaletti Yay. and he did it. 
Yay. And he did it pretty well. And so I got brave and I rode my horse over Cavaletti and it has now become a regular part of every ride um, with both of my horses. That's awesome. And I am so proud of myself. You should be. Calling Michelle in January to schedule still a private lesson. To go go and have a private lesson with Michelle and to practice over some Cavaletti with her. So this is is sort of what I'm talking about in terms of goals. I know that riding over three poles on the ground is not a really big goal for most people, (laughs) but for me, it was really huge. And I'm so proud of myself and I'm so proud of Leo, who the first time I did it with him, tripped and almost went down to his knees (laughs) and instead of my thinking oh my god oh my god oh my god I'm gonna die and I can't do this I just took him right back over and we're doing it and I just can't even begin to tell you guys the the joy that this has brought to me and it just reinforced to me that we're all on our own journeys yeah and it's wonderful to have the the sort of quote artificial goals of showing and competing and earning medals and earning ribbons and scores and all of that. But when it all comes back down to it, it's about little kids and their ponies and having fun. (laughs) Right. And I want to be a little kid with her ponies again, since I never got to do that when I was a kid. Well, there you go. That's true. That's true. You missed that whole phase. I did. I did. (laughs) So that's my, that's my long answer to my new year's resolution. So what are are you looking forward to in 2022? Okay. Well, mine, mine is, mine, mine is a little bit oriented to what you're not going to do. Um, (laughs) But there's nothing wrong with that. I know, I know there's, but a, um, something else we talked about in a previous podcast was when you and I discussed the L program and, Mm -hmm. um, I, I was going to say that you must have inspired a lot of people because I was going to sign up for the L program that's coming to Ocala next year, but it's full and the Ugh. wait list is full. So oh my God. Wow. I'm, not, I'm not doing that, which was a goal, but is still a goal, just will hopefully happen later. You know, I mean, one, yeah. I tend to procrastinate things. So that's, that's an indication that I should not procrastinate quite as much as I do, but, um, but at any rate for me to, I, it, it, like I said, it's still a goal. So I still want to go through that. Um, but for me to be able to go through the entire L program and to try to become an L graduate, I still need third level scores. So I've decided that, you know, poor Nadia. She doesn't, she doesn't necessarily know this yet, but, um, we're going to, she doesn't need to know. (laughs) We're going to try to get both of us back into a little bit more of show shape. Um, because I've been doing, I've been doing what your goal is to do for the last few years. And I've just been kind Mm -hmm. of riding and enjoying and, and, um, just kind of having a good time without anything really concrete in mind. But, I would like to get both of us back into some show shape and try to get our third level scores this year so that when the next opportunity presents itself for the L program, I will be fully qualified and able to hopefully enroll and go through the entire thing as a participant. 
So. That is so exciting. Good for you. That's a great, those are great goals. Well, we'll see. Those are we'll great goals. But like you, you know, like, like you, I'm not certainly not going to let that goal uh, become kind of all encompassing. Like if it, if, if it's not going to work with my horse, then, you know, I'm not going to make it work with my horse. I will find another path to that. But yeah. um, hopefully, hopefully she can, uh, she, she can work with me for a little while and, and we can do something. And I don't have any aspirations of going to any big CDI or anything like that around here. I just, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of see how it progresses. <laughs> Well, she's a lovely mare and she has everything that it takes to get you your scores at third level. I have no doubt in, the, in my mind whatsoever. It's just a matter of going out and doing it yes. and being confident in your ability. You can do it. I know you can. Yes. Well, thank you. We'll see. So, so we'll have to, uh, we'll have to check in on our goals a little bit as, as next year progresses and, and see how we're doing. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. And, and, and part of having goals is knowing that it's okay to change your mind <laughs> or to not succeed them in, in those goals. So I'm already walking. Okay. <laughs> right. Modified, Mod modified. modified. It's, it's okay. Go. It's okay. Cause there you know, you life tends to throw things at us that we don't expect. Exactly. Exactly. This month's question for our Ask the L segment comes from Amy, and it's a bit of a two-part question for you. Okay. First of all, do you ever get nervous before you judge a competition? And then similarly, do you get nervous before you show? And if so, how do you handle your nerves? Oh, those are great questions. I'm going to start with the second one first. So I have absolutely horrific show nerves. Um, in my first life, I was a pianist and I was very nervous before I performed. But as soon as my fingers touched the keys, I was transformed and I loved it. And I love public speaking and I love acting and I love doing all of those kinds of things. And I get nervous beforehand, but it's not debilitating in any way. And it actually, in a lot of ways, excites and charges me up to do well, I think. Right. Competing with horses is a whole different ballgame. <laughs> um, it is so debilitating for me that I have vomited before I compete. Um, I forget tests. Um, I mean, I am, I am a complete and total wreck about competing. Hmm. And it was so bad that I actually found a sports psychologist who specialized in performance anxiety. Oh yeah. Um, and I worked with her for a little bit when I was competing my, my big horse Q who I bred myself. And she gave me a series of things to do um, before each competition, some things, you know, weeks in advance, some things the day of, some things as I was entering the ring, just sort of rituals that I could um, use to sort of comfort me. But she also did something that was even more valuable. And that was that she helped me break down 
where my anxiety was coming from. Oh, okay. And, you know, we all come from a different place of anxiety. And what I found was probably the single biggest thing that inhibits me in competing is fear of not doing well, of making a fool of myself. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I haven't been doing this all that long and I'm not a particularly gifted rider, but I'm technically a pro. Right. And so people watch me when I ride and they judge me when I ride and they look at my scores and all of those kinds of things. And the amount of pressure, this goes back to my goal for 2022, <laughs> the amount of pressure that I felt was crippling. And tied in with that performance anxiety of, of embarrassing myself publicly or not living up to people's expectations um, was also a lot of other things like I was afraid I would fall off. <laughs> right. That's a very real fear for a lot of people. Yes. And, you know, we don't take that really seriously, but I worry about my horse spooking and my falling off. And I worry about my horse bolting and my falling off. And so what I did with the sports psychologist was sort of pin down all of my fears and all of the things that got in the way of my showing, and then trying to come up with strategies um, to feel better about it. And, you know, we, we each come up with a strategy that works individually for us. Um, when, when I was younger and I had a, um, a private practice, one of the things that I did in my private practice was hypnotherapy. And when you hypnotize people for various behavioral changes, you work with what works for that individual. Um, you know, my, my suggestions for you for weight loss would not be the same as my suggestions for somebody else, right. because the reason that you eat isn't the same reason that somebody else eats. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not going to, you know, sit here and give people suggestions as to what they do to get over their performance anxiety. But what I would suggest is that they kind of think about what it is that scares them, what it is that makes them nervous. And then, you know, if you feel it, it's legitimate. Don't just say, oh, it doesn't matter what other people think. And, you know, don't be silly. Just, you know, go out and do your best because that doesn't work because what people think does matter to me. Yeah. Yeah. So come up with strategies for, you know, how do I, how do I do, how do I come up with a way of feeling good about my performance, even if my performance isn't as good as I want it to be? Um, how do I feel good about my performance knowing that it's the best that I can do. You know, you come up with your, with your own strategies. Right. Um, so that's a long answer to yes. I get very nervous before <laughs> I compete. And that's probably part of the reason why I'm so nervous about going into the show ring with Tiger yeah. and making my FEI debut Yeah. is that, you know, I, I question whether I'm legitimately there. I question, you know, I always wanted to do it on a horse that I trained myself. Well, you know, this horse was trained by other people. Um, yeah, he's never been ridden pre-St. George, but, you know, he has been ridden fourth level. And so, you know, is it as legitimate? So, yes, I get nervous about showing. I also, interestingly, do get nervous about judging. Yeah. But I get nervous about judging for very different reasons. Um, the biggest reason that I get nervous when I judge is that I know that showing is really important to people. 
you know, if they if it wasn't important, we wouldn't do it. And I feel an incredible responsibility to make the experience in my ring a positive one. Right. You know, no one wakes up in the morning and says, I think I'll ride poorly today. I think I'll fall off the outside of my horse. And I think maybe I'll yank on the inside rein and maybe I'll bounce really badly in the sitting trot. And I'm just going to do a really bad job. You know, none of us wake up in the morning and say that we're all doing the very best we can right. at the moment that we're in the ring. Yeah. And sometimes we do poorly because we don't know any better. And sometimes we do poorly because it's a bad day. And sometimes we do poorly because we're nervous. I mean, there are just so many reasons. And I feel so much responsibility that when somebody does their final salute and walks up to me, that I give them something good to walk out on that when they walk out there that they can say you know she said my that my braids were beautiful she said that that my horse was lovely you know she something something that people can feel good about and you know in the olden days at schooling shows we did talk to riders i don't know how much more we're going to be doing that with the whole schooling show program through usdf but you know, in, in the olden days, we did talk to riders and it was always important to me to say something good to a rider, um, to make some suggestions for things that could make them better. Right. But also to, to let them walk out feeling good. Yeah. Because I believe that we learn from positives more than we do from negatives. Yeah. And if somebody comes up and I say, well, that was a crap fest. <laughs> I mean, what have I done positive? What have I done for our sport? What have I right. done for the rider? You know, what have I done for the horse at that point? So I want people to feel good when they walk out. I want the comments on the test. I want the collective remarks to, to give somebody a direction, but to make them feel good that they did something right. So I feel nervous about that because of that responsibility. Yeah. Also, I feel nervous about judging because it's my opinion. Um, <laughs> and I mean, how many times have, have you or a friend of yours gone and competed and walked out of the ring and said, for instance, wow, that was the best test I've ever ridden. And the judge gives you a 57. Right. Yes. And, you know, the trainer says, well, that judge just doesn't know what he or she is looking at or, you know, whatever. You know, yeah. the, the judges get bad mouthed a lot. Um, and sometimes it's, it may be fair and sometimes maybe it isn't fair, Right. but you know, it matters to me that when I judge, I, what I say goes on a piece of paper and people take it home and other people look at it and they may post their test online and say, this is the score that I got. So there's a lot of pressure that I, you know, quote, get it right. And that I can justify the scores that I give. And then there's the pressure with schooling shows in particular, I know a lot of professional trainers and they bring their students to, to show and I'm judging them. I have judged my own trainer. You oh. want to talk about pressure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So Amy, yeah, I do get nervous. Um, I will say that I am more confident in my judging skills than I am in my writing skills. Oh, yeah. I haven't felt the need to go to the psychologist <laughs> to help my nerves for judging the way I did with my writing. But I, I think that anything that matters um, 
makes us nervous. Yeah. You know, I mean, I get nervous before my lessons and I, I, I love my trainer and I've been with my trainer. I figured it out today. I've been riding with her for over nine years now. Um, we have a wonderful relationship, um, that, that goes beyond just riding. We are friends as well. I know that she likes me. I know that she believes in me as a rider. I know that she wishes only good things for me, but I get nervous before my lessons. Yeah. You know, my stomach gets upset and I get sweaty and I worry about what I'm going to wear and it <laughs> mat you know, because it matters because I, I want her to be proud of me because it matters. Right. So judging matters to me and I want to be proud of myself at the end of the day. Um, and competing matters because I want people to be able to look at my horses and say nice things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm nervous. I okay. have, I have nerves. <laughs> <laughs> so the short answer is yes. Yes. I am nervous before I compete and I am nervous before I, I judge. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think you are in the boat of many people most definitely. And uh, so, you know, I, it, and that's a question that we ask a lot of our, our big name, you know, quote unquote, big name professionals is, if yeah. they get nervous and how they handle their nerves. And, and um, most of them have learned to turn that into what you were saying, like a positive, like a positive energy and they, um, yeah. um, to turn it to something good instead of something that completely, un, you know, throws you apart. Unnerves. Yes. Yeah, or unmans them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I think that, you know, we get nervous because it matters. Yes. And, uh, you know, yeah. it's... It, it's, it's a it's a it's a good thing but you as, as you said the the really good professionals have figured out how to take that anxiety and channel it into positive energy exactly and desire for success yeah I, I I had a trainer many many years ago who was getting ready to go to Devon for the first time ever and I mean Devon is a really big deal and I said to her are you nervous and she looked at me and she said no I'm going to kick butt. Yeah. And my first thought was I was a little taken aback at, you know, the arrogance. And my second thought was good for you because that's how you channel the nerves. You use that anxiety to say, I have something to prove and I'm going to prove it. And she did. Yeah. I'm very proud to say that she did. So, yeah. All right. Well, if any of you out there have a question about showing or judging, you can email me at sruff at equinenetwork.com or reach out to us on social media. And when we return, we'll have my conversation with Anna Buffini. Bowringer Ingelheim's Equine Health's focus and passion is to improve the lives of horses. It's through heart-led science that we have developed the most advanced treatments in equine health. We have pioneered advancements in equine asthma, gastric health, PPID, vaccines, joint health, parasite control, and more. For details, visit www.buy-vetmedica.com. Anna Buffini, who lives in San Diego, California, made a statement in dressage as a young rider. In 2014, she rode her Dutch Warmblood gelding Sunday Boy to wins in the FEI Young Rider Team and Individual Tests at the U.S. Dressage Festival of Champions. 
That same year, they were members of the gold medal team at the North American Youth Championships. She placed first and second in the 2016 USEF Young Adult Brentina Cup Dressage National Championship with Sunday Boy and Wilton II, respectively. At the 2019 USEF Festival of Champions, she came back with Wilton II to win the FEI Grand Prix Freestyle 16-25 en route to becoming Brentina Cup Reserve National Champion. The last two years, she's been competing at the Grand Prix level, including her first trip to Europe this past summer. Thank you, Anna, so much for joining us today on the Dressage Today podcast. We are so happy that you could be here. Thank you so much for having me. I am just as happy that I get to be here. (laughs) Well, so to kind of get started, could you give us a little bit about your background and how you got interested in horses and dressage? Yeah, absolutely. I started actually as a gymnast when I was three years old, two or three years old. And I was trying to become an elite gymnast and make U.S. teams for that. And then when I was about nine, my body just broke down too much. And I was about four foot seven. And (laughs) um, my parents decided to pull me out of it. And thankfully, I grew. Um, And I just always loved horses. None of my family has a background with horses or even animals at all. But I just loved them. I had the whole Briar Horse collection. (laughs) And I had all the horse books and watched the Saddle Club and everything. And I finally broke my parents down and they let me go to a horse farm and it just happened to be a dressage barn. We had no, I had no idea what the disciplines were. I didn't know there were certain names for it. I just went, wanted to ride horses and it just happened to be dressage and that's how I got into it. And then I just fell in love with it and I never stopped. Well, that's kind of my start. Wow. Okay. Uh, So who were the mentors or people who have influenced your riding so far? Yeah, I mean, my biggest mentor is Gunter Seidel, my trainer, who Mm -hmm. I train with now. He honestly, besides my parents, is probably the biggest influence in my life. He's, he has taught me so much about how to be a rider, but also just his example of being a rider and a horseman and just a human has has changed my life and saved my life in many ways, Yeah, actually, um, more than he'll ever know. <laughs> and I, everything anybody ever sees me do on a horse, I owe completely to him. Your training philosophy probably comes a bit from his training philosophy, doesn't it? Yeah, it definitely does. <laughs> and his training philosophy comes from, you know, the old classical greats. So he was right. trained by Klaus Balkenhall and, you know, all the just very very classical, very kind of simple, the, the philosophy behind how we train, but in the end, it's, you put the horse first and you do what's best for them. And, um, you go from there. Yeah. So, um, when you are working with your horses and stuff, is there a favorite exercise or a type of work that you think is important or that you really enjoy, um, or that, that you think has really made a difference, uh, with your horses? Yeah. Um, for me, I think just, you can never do too many transitions, honestly. <laughs> I think I've That's heard that big twice one. in my life. <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel like everyone's heard this one. Um, for me also, I think every horse really, you have to figure out what they need the most of. There's so many foundational things though you can work on with every single horse, no matter what level and just straightness and 
um, suppleness and, but yeah, transitions, I absolutely love. Um, shoulder four, I also think you can never do enough of. <laughs> um, circles, leg yields, just getting them to be supple um, and round and forward and just always making sure that foundation is solid because if it's not, when you start to put in more movements, that's, you're gonna find holes. So right. just making the basics so solid. Yeah, yeah, and that's, yeah. And, and like you said, the, it, the basics shine through no matter, no matter how far you go. Exactly. Um, I, I don't remember who said it, but I know I've read a quote somewhere about somebody said, you know, that the, uh, the, the upper level riders work on the basics more than anything else, really. Yes, 100%. Like when I ride my, especially Diva, because she knows the whole Grand Prix, 90% mm -hmm. of my lessons are basics. Yeah. We maybe do one of each movement of every other ride or something. But I mean, it is just, you would think I was on a training level horse in a Grand Prix train, basically. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, or just very simple, very straightforward, like filling in all the holes. And then you you notice so much when you work on that, you put the PF together, you do the half passes and it comes so much easier. So yeah. it really makes a huge difference. And I know it can be monotonous and tedious, but what's not tedious and monotonous is having a good ride and getting a good score so right. it's yeah, no, in the that's, end. <laughs> that's not tedious at all is it no. exactly exactly so you just have to remember your end goal and right. know that when you're maybe a little bored of doing another 20 meter circle and working on inside leg and outside rain and wanting to like your eyes roll in the back of your head that there's an end game you know <laughs> right Yep. But luckily for, you know, but that's why dressage people love dressage so much is that they're so detail oriented and they get, exactly you know, get a little fixated on doing. I know. I think we're a little crazy because we really love the basics. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that's okay. We all have to be a little crazy in our own special way. We right? really do. Honestly, <laughs> I've never met a normal horse person. No. Let's be real. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> None of us are normal. No. So it's okay. <laughs> I still love us. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so this year, or this past year, for the first time, you went to Europe to compete. Yeah. So what can you tell about, tell us about that whole experience? It was unbelievable. Um, it was so surreal. Being there was just, I, it felt a little bit like a dream. Sometimes I have to remind myself it was real. Yeah. Um, it definitely is something you can prepare for, but unless you do it, you don't really know what to expect or how to expect it. You know, right. you can, you can, I looked up the venues and I asked people who'd been there and I was as prepared as I possibly could have been, but you actually get there and you're riding in the same warm up as Isabel and Dorothy <laughs> Schneider and whoever and Edward Gall and you're you're just like this is real this is happening <laughs> this is what I've dreamed of for so long and um it's it's something that I didn't realize how much I would enjoy it because yeah. I know everybody's like I I don't get starstruck and I'm not impressed by big riders and you better believe me I was very impressed by <laughs> Isabel Ward <laughs> my first ever class she was in my same class uh -huh. And um, she actually knows my trainer, Gunter, quite well. And she came and she watched my test. Thank <laughs> God I did not see her on the side because <laughs> I probably would have gone blind and <laughs> ran 
sideways out of the arena. So um, I'm lucky I didn't see it, but just, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's magical. And it's um, the things you don't, you don't plan on or think about, but also in the end, it's the same arena. It's a 20 by 60 meter arena and it's your horse you've been training on. And when you get in that show arena, it's exactly the same as home. So part of it is this absolute dream wonderland. And the other part is just routine. And it's just exactly the same thing you've always done. And that's how you're able to stay focused and not look around and be scared and be starstruck. And, you know, it's the same thing. And you're all working toward the same goal. Um, And there, there's so many funny little things. Like I had no idea they did. I remember I went to the show office and in America, they give you a physical number you can put on your horse's bridle. Right. And so I checked in and the lady was like, okay, your number is 56. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I just stood there for a second. <laughs> and she didn't hand me a number. And I stood there for a longer time. And she's like, okay, that's all. Bye. We're done. And so I walked out. I was like, okay, they must give me my late, my number, you know, later before the jog. And so <laughs> I'm like walking around. Nobody else has their physical numbers in the show office. And I am just like, it's the jog is coming. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have a number. What is going on? I'm freaking out. I'm like, am I going to get eliminated? What is happening? And then I go to Gunter and Katie, who was on the team with me. And they're like, yeah, they don't do that here. You have to bring your own number and put it on your horse. And so just things like that, I thought were so funny that I just was right. clueless about. And it's, yeah. they do things different there. And um, those are the funny little stories you learn. And then also it's, at the same time, it's, it's very hard. You know, if you have a bad show here in San Diego in my backyard, it's not as bad. If I have a bad show there, it's devastating. And when I was in Aachen, we had a really hard first day. Um, Gunter wasn't able to come and to not have your coach and, you know, and it was totally fair to him. He's competing himself. So it's only fair. He stays with his grump premier and shows her, he had to show her thermal, I think. Um, but to not have your coach at a the biggest show of your life right um and for your ride to be different than normal um the first day we were last place in Aachen and it was devastating not just because I got last place I it wasn't so much that it was just like that's that wasn't our ride that wasn't who we are that's yeah. not how I wanted to represent the U.S. and then the second day I called Gunter we made a plan and um it was exactly like what we would normally do. You know, he, um, I was just back to how I ride Diva and I was back to, to our game plan. Mm-hmm. And then she almost got third <laughs> and, you know, it was great to go from last place to third place. <laughs> and we were first in the draw as well. So oh, I was wow. going in there. I was like, I'm right. going to put on the best test I can, but obviously the first rider, especially at a show in Aachen is yeah. not going to hold up. And the whole entire first half of the class went, and we were still in first place. Like I remember sitting there with my mom and my best friend, Gina, who flew all the way there to be there for me. And we were sitting at the scoreboard. I have goosebumps right now. And halfway through the break, I was at the top of the board. I couldn't believe it. I was just like, this is a dream. This is unreal. Um, and then rides kept going and I was still in first. And then um, my friend, um, what is her name? The Australian writer. Uh, I... I'm blanking right now, but she's an amazing Australian writer from uh, who used to write for Helga Strand. And um, 
then she got on her horse and she like beat me up by one point but I was like super happy for her because she had a tough time in the Olympics and she needed a good ride and then um whoever the someone went who was like a German I think the German gold medalist who was was last and and she won you know and then right. the um the very last rider to go is a Spanish rider and we were sitting there in the stall just thinking and just waiting and they were like do you want to do you want to because you have to do a prize giving in the big jumper arena so they're like do you want a, a practice horse to go and so you don't have to waste Steve's leg when she doesn't freak out and she gets hurt and I was like yeah if I get third I'll sit on a practice horse or like you know someone's extra horse right um, but just to be in that position was unbelievable I yeah. remember when I was even realized I was top eight I ran back to the stall to tell my groom Alex we had to braid her and I remember he like went out to get lunch because none of us thought right would, like, right Okay, we're like, done. Hey, we're back. done for the day. Yeah. That was one of my favorite memories. I was like, hey, come back. We've got a braider. I'm top eight. And then I was top seventh and then top six and top fifth and top fourth. And then um, until the last guy went, he beat me up by like half a point or something. And um, it was, it, I was on just absolute cloud nine. But I yeah. think also those are the stories you don't hear you know and those are the stories people don't want to share like I don't really want to broadcast that I was last place the first day you know but right. everybody selected me to go and to be on this team and right I don't want to let my team down and I'm I'm telling everybody I was dead last but then it was it was a really very sweet but also like powerful you know redemption story that we were able to um just make our I was able to have my own ride that I usually have with Diva and I was like girl we got nothing to lose first of all right ain't nobody watching us <laughs> nowhere to go but up nobody yeah nobody's threatened <laughs> by us right now and uh we just went out there and we did our ride and it just everything clicked and I even made a few dumb mistakes so it was cool to see that a ride like with mistakes got right. fourth place and we yeah. could have yeah, we could have if I didn't make those mistakes, we would have been in third. So that was really incredible to realize. Yeah. Um, but it was kind it's also something I, I want people to hear and I want people to know it's you're on cloud nine and you're you can be devastated at the same time and it's heartbreaking <laughs> and it's hard and um it's not just like this fairy tale story where it's like, oh, you know, you get there and you think you're gonna be happy and you think you've made it. And it's almost the opposite. You're almost right. less happy because of the pressure you're under. You're almost um, everything's harder, everything's, there's more eyes, there's more spotlight. So it's an absolute dream, but it's also very, very hard at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so besides learning that you don't get a physical number in, in, uh, <laughs> in Europe, what, what other lessons did you learn that you can take, you know, into your upcoming season in Wellington? Oh, so many. <laughs> um, trying to think back. I think, um, again, like just really focusing on you and your horse and not letting things distract you is huge and sticking to your game plan and not letting anyone or anything or what people say about you distract you as well. Because I'm a big like words of affirmation person. So I love giving them. Right. And when some, when people say a lot of stuff about me, it, it definitely, I don't appreciate it. Um, and I remember when I got C and teeny, the amount of 
crying emojis I saw on those posts all over the world <laughs> was overwhelming. I ended up shutting off Facebook and just, I was like, first of all, I don't need to see how many people in the world are watching this horse because I did not realize. <laughs> and then second of all, um, how many people didn't like it and oh. weren't excited. And everybody's like, yeah. you know, first of all, they're hating on Helga Strand for selling the horse so many times. And then they're hating on Patrick. Like, and they're like, why would you even take the horse if you knew it would be sold, even though he has nothing to do with it. And then they're like, who is this horse going to? <laughs> <laughs> they're like, who is this child? <laughs> Nobody knows. Um, oh, yeah. And so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of that now, especially with social media. And yeah. then uh, I saw Shelly Dujardin sold her horse right. pumpkin Mm-hmm. And she got more hate than anybody, you know? And, and it's just like, first of all, people need to mind their own business. And <laughs> second of all, just the more, the higher you get up in the sport, the more people are going to talk and the more these keyboard heroes are going to speak out. And or I should say more so maybe keyboard cowards. <laughs> they would never say it to your face, right. but they say the nastiest things when they're behind the computer. Yeah. And um, that's the, one of the biggest things I learned from Europe and from buying Fiantini is that you just need to listen to your own team and the people that love you and the people you love. Um, Like my bubble is going to be so small when I go to Florida of people I engage with, of people I talk to, of people I just let in because it's, it really makes a difference in how you compete. Um, Like my, my cousin is probably going to manage my social media um, and I know everybody loves to go out in Wellington and loves to, <laughs> to, uh, go to dinner every single yeah. night and socialize. And a lot of times I'll go out. I mean, the people who know me know who, who's, who's cool, but a lot of times I'll, I'll go out and then I'll hear those people have like talked nasty about me. And those are not people I need to spend my time with. Right. Um, so I'm just, just really keeping myself focused and keeping my world small because my horses have worked too hard for me to be distracted and they deserve to have the best version of me that I can possibly be. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. It's, it's easy. It's easy to get distracted if you allow it. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned Fiantini, your new Grand Prix horse that you purchased, um, what, just a couple of months ago. So can you tell us a little bit about her, how you found her and how things are going yes. so far? Yeah. So I actually fell in love with this course when Charlotte Dujardin did a test ride on her like five years ago, maybe, or four years ago, she was six or seven. And I saw this YouTube clip and she got on her and it was just this unbelievable horse. And Charlotte gave it a 10 out of 10 rideability wise <laughs> and gates wise. And I was just like, wow, what would it be like to ride a horse like that? And a horse that, you know, the number one rider in the world loved so much. And so ever since then, I've watched her Mm. and kept tabs on her. Just, I was just such a fan of this horse. And I saw her in Aachen. I've been looking for a horse all year long because I've actually lost three horses in the past 11 months. It's been a wild year. Yeah. um, My best horse. Um, Don Diego, like absolutely unbelievable. One of the best horses I will ever ride in my life. Um, he got sold to us and um, he had an injury we didn't know about. And mm. 
um, it just, it ended up, he couldn't actually walk. I was going to retire him in a field and he couldn't even stand anymore. Wow. So after we lost him, we went on the hunt for another horse and I have tried maybe 53 Grand Prix horses this year. (laughs) (laughs) We've tried a lot and we've gone all over the world and just nothing was what I was looking for. And fair enough, you know, everybody's going to show me their B horse. They're not showing me their A horse. And I said, well, you know who sells their best horses is Hildebrand. So <laughs> I called him up and he said, we have this, 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 and this horse. And I said, oh no, Gunter ended up calling him. And Gunter said, where is Fiantini? Oh, that's the one we want to try. <laughs> oh, so you, you, pulled, you pulled all the strings you could, didn't you? We sure did. We sure did. And he said, okay. I had to fly home because she was resting from Aachen. And then I had to fly all the way back about two weeks later. And I remember, I think it took me about two steps to know that was her. I was like, this is it. We found it. I fell in love. Um, She was just incredible. She wasn't easy. Um, It wasn't because she's easy. I got her. It was just because of the potential you can feel and the greatness that's inside of her. I think any Grand Prix horse at that level is not going to be easy. Right. But um that's we're not asking for easy we're asking for for possible and for the dream that we're both working towards yeah and um she's only been ridden by men her entire life so she's definitely learning how to be ridden by a girl (laughs) um (laughs) and thankfully she's got a she's got a big old strong girl on her (laughs) um, who works out a lot but uh, she's she's definitely um enjoying the life of of being ridden by a girl with I mean, my heels go down to Patrick Kittle's knees, I think. Right. So, but I remember when I first, she still does it sometimes. When I first started riding her, she would shake her side like flies were on her. She thought my legs oh. were flies, <laughs> literally. <laughs> I always just laughed and Gunther would die laughing too. Cause she, cause it was just, she was so unused to having a, yeah. a leg that high. And yeah. also like the pressure I was applying was just so light. She just, she didn't even recognize it was a leg so she um it's going really well I mean again I think I'm about 15 rides in with her um and so there's a long 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 way to go it really takes about a year to get used to a horse um so I honestly do not know what I'm doing next year I know a lot of publications have come out and said what I'm doing but that is not from my mouth (laughs) Um, so I am just going to train and we're going to do the absolute best we can to take care of her and, um, do, do whatever shows we're ready for. (laughs) So, um, but she is going to Wellington. So that's, that's my number one goal right now is to compete in Wellington and then go from there. But I think as soon as you start assuming what you can do and what shows you're going to compete at is when you, um, as not right especially you know it's my second grand prix year ever I just got this horse I'm not about to say I'm going to this show and this show I have no (laughs) idea what I'm going to do you know and I know especially because I just did this with Diva last year yeah and you have a good show you have a you blow it the next show you have a good show you blow it the next show and it really is because you you and the horse don't know each other very well yet it's really it's unfair and it's unpractical to think you can go out there and just blow it out of water yeah. every single show right um so I need to 
you know, aim high, set a very high bar, but also be realistic and take time. Yeah. With her. So how old um, is she? Take care of her. She's 11. Okay. All right. Yeah. She's so, a really good age. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's an excellent age. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, but that's exciting. And you're taking Diva to Wellington as well, right? Yes, I am. Yeah. I'm very uh, excited. Yeah. So this would be, like you said, last year was actually just your first year um, showing Grand Prix with her. So, yeah. you know, so now you have a whole year of showing under your belt with her, including Europe. So are you feeling, you know, confident with her coming in? Yeah. Funny enough, I don't feel as confident as I thought I would. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I think dressage has a way of just humbling you it to does. the absolute bone, yeah. you know, yeah. um, which is good. There's no room for, for cockiness anyways. Right. But I, I do feel comfortable with her. I do feel like if something goes wrong in the show arena or we, we're having trouble that I now have experience with her on how to hopefully fix it in the show arena and right. I think that's huge because really when you're in a test you're just like you're course correcting the whole time and that's yeah. kind of how we make it look perfect we're just fixing things the whole time <laughs> so I really feel like a teammate to her now though I really right. feel like we're best friends um I know her she knows me we're so comfortable together and I think that's a feeling I'm very excited about I really I honestly I feel like now I'm finally ready to show her like, yeah. I have no idea how I just did this year. When I look back, I'm like, was I crazy? <laughs> right, right. Like, yeah, 10, 10, 20 years from now, you'll look back on it and really think you're crazy, probably. I think so, too. I was like, we didn't brought her down. Who, who chose that? Whose <laughs> idea was this? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I'm so grateful for it. And, yeah. you know, thankfully, USDF was, uh, for some of the selections, they were really thinking about the future and, and getting us, um, experience as well and right I think it paid off so much because now that I have Fiantini it won't be my if I ever make Europe it yeah. won't be my first European season right so um I can see really the the thought process and the wisdom behind the decision they made um because now hopefully mm-hmm. you know it, it's going to take time but we'll be a, a force for the U.S. and right. we can help uh, represent them very well and they helped give us the experience we needed this year yeah, yeah yeah so yeah I guess the word is is you're comfortable not necessarily confident you're comfortable yes <laughs> I am comfortable and I'm working on being confident because right. it, it's I think we all all of us writers do need to work on confidence a bit not cockiness but confidence right because we work hard and yeah. we should feel we should feel a little better and I think a a lot of us, especially the younger riders, I do, I feel like um, the sport is so mature and yeah. we're competing against people twice as old as we are. And there's definitely a balance of of respect for the sport and the people, but also not making ourselves smaller just because we're younger. You right. know, there's a there's a old saying that says, don't let them despise you because of your youth. And it means that you really, you shouldn't shrink back because you're younger. You shouldn't have less confidence because you're younger. You put in the work, you've put in the hours yeah. and yes, they have more experience and more hours, but you, you shouldn't be um, insecure about what you're going to do. So right. I think that's something I'm definitely going to, going to work on <laughs> this season. 
Well, it's kind of interesting because, you know, equestrian sports across the board are one of the, the only sports where the people, the older people, a lot of times actually, yeah, will have that upper echelon instead of so many sports. It's the young, it's the young people that, you know, kind yes. of, um, but, but equestrian sports is, is the ultimate equalizer in a way, you know, age really? range and, as well as men and women competing, mm-hmm. you know, equally and everything. So um, 100%. It's yeah. very different. Yeah, it is. It is. And so that's kind of interesting and, and, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, you're, you're right that, that the perception of, of youth is that, yeah, you don't have the experience, so you're not there yet, but you right. have and then I'm like very hard as well. Yeah. And like, you see Lottie Fry out there doing it and you see Charlotte Dujardin was 26 when she went right. to gold, yeah. you know, and they, yeah. they have this, just this tiger mentality that, yeah. <laughs> You know, you see them and you're like, okay, I'm not getting in their way. So, you know, without being, without being cocky and without being prideful, I, I also want to like step into the show arena with that. Yeah. 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 Um, So the last question that, that I have for you is one that we like to ask everyone just to get their perception or their perspective, I guess I should say. Mm -hmm. And that is what do you think makes a good horse person? I think like my trainer again, (laughs) I think um, in the end, it's all about the horse. It's putting the horse first. It's learning about your horse, knowing what they need, what makes them happy, what makes them upset. Um, Everything you do is the horses thought of first in riding and training and handling and transport and food <laughs> every single thing is catered towards the horse and um you can't let your dreams outwork the horse you can't let them be bigger than what your horse can do or what your horse is capable of in the moment necessarily mm-hmm. um and as and you don't let your dreams get in the way of your horsemanship so like if your horse is not feeling it you scratch the class or you know things like that like Sunday boy in 2014 um in young riders he wasn't feeling well and we were like one of the favorites to to place and we were able to thankfully help our team win gold but he just wasn't doing well. So we pulled out of the class and, and that was my last year of young riders. So we never got to find out how it would have gone. Yeah. But, um, that would be the example that I've, I've lived out about putting your horse first. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. And I just want to thank you for taking some time to, uh, talk to us about your horses and what's coming up for you. And we look forward to seeing what happens. Thank you so much for talking to me. I always feel like the older I get, the more kind of real I get. So it's, <laughs> it's interesting to almost hear myself. And I'm like, wow, you <laughs> know, that was real. <laughs> you wouldn't have said that three years ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's good. It's yeah. good. We need to have a voice and we need to be able to be real because I think a lot of it is about you know, trying to make yourself look perfect. And it's, that's not life. And that's not going to encourage anybody. People need to see the highs and the lows. And um, yeah, it's got to be real. 
well, hopefully you'll have some highs to, to balance out the inevitable lows that hit all of us from time to time. Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again to Anna Buffini for joining us today. And also to our episode sponsor, Bowringer Ingelheim. With this being our last podcast of the year, on behalf of Aviva Nebeski and myself, I want to wish everyone a very happy new year and we'll see you in 2022. Thanks for listening to the Dressage Today podcast. If you've missed any episodes or to subscribe, go to Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Learn more and read in-depth training articles at dressagetoday.com, or you can visit our subscription video site, ondemand.dressagetoday.com. Be sure to give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Happy riding, and we'll see you at X. The Dressage Today podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of Equine Network, LLC.